like going into a steakhouse and just licking off the A1, A1 sauce and walking out. The cross is central, and I'm going to tell you why. Because in the cross, watch this, God did not just forgive our sins. Oh, that was part of it. That was part of it. But that's no claim above any other religion. Most religions have a God loving enough that if you're truly sorry and truly penitent, they'll, he'll forgive your sins. But what happens when he forgives your sins? Well, you're fortunate, but if you take a look at the whole picture, there's still an abrogation of justice there, an injustice that you haven't gotten what you deserved. And I haven't either. Oh, we're glad about it. But it's not a perfect system because justice hasn't been met. Well, the improvement of Christianity on that is that somebody has paid the price. And that's Jesus Christ. And so he was crushed for our iniquities, the Bible says. And God stays a perfectly just God by his demands being met. Only his son is the one who pays it. And so justice is met. But watch this. Even there, it's not an absolutely perfect system. You know why? Because if you stop there, if that's all the cross means to you, justice has been met, we get to go to heaven, but what happens with this load of memories and brokenness in your life that were your sins? You see, I don't think it's God's perfect plan for you just to walk away from those. I don't think that God would say, well, I'll tell you what, now that you're a Christian, let's just remember the good stuff and forget all the bad stuff. I think there's a reason that you have those memories hanging around. I think there's a reason those come back to you. I think that, that God's system is so complete that he wants to make every one of those failures an absolute strength in your life, a success in your life. What was the cross? The cross and the resurrection, the death of God, the blood of Christ. We keep talking about the blood of Christ. You know what a double symbol that is? The blood is what was shed for us in death. But blood in Hebrew is the symbol for life. And so it is both the death and the life of Christ. Now watch this. Only in the cross and the resurrection is history absolutely reversed. You see, in most faiths, including some nominal versions of Christianity, you got God in heaven up there going, here I am, come on up. And if you can't come up, you can climb up the cross. But you don't get the point. History was reversed. And God came down lower than our sins. Lower than our failures. Lower than anything bad that had ever happened to us. You think you're a failure. Try coming down as God and walking around on the earth for a while and getting nailed to a tree by a bunch of idiots. Now that's failing. Here's God getting nailed to a tree. 
You think you've been hurt. Try hanging on a cross and suffocating to death for something you never did or for the good you were trying to do. You think you've been rejected. Try coming down and doing nothing to deserve rejection. Pouring your life into a dozen people and doing nothing to support them in the very hour you need them, they're nowhere to be found. You think you've been betrayed? God's been betrayed more. You think you've been hurt? God's been hurt more. You think you've been rejected? God's been rejected more. Now I want you to see, I want you to see this strategy here. You see, God did not tear down. God built up by going lower than our sin. And when God came alive, when he was, when he was down below our sin, when he came alive, he lifted everything in our life to come up with him. Romans 6, 5 says, you know what? If you have been linked with him in his death, you're going to be linked with him in his resurrection. You know what that means? That means everything in your life can be used for good. Everything. Even the sins. There's the perfection of it. Sin isn't something you just have to get over. Sin isn't something you just have to forget. Sin isn't something you just have to regret. Sin is something God will use for good in your life. Because that's what the cross is. It's using failure for victory. It's using something that has hurt you to help everybody else. Do you understand that? And so God has this perfect plan for you. I know that most of you are not living your life on the basis of your original dream. Well, join the club. Join the club. How many of you had one dream when you were a little kid and you fulfilled that dream? Man, if that was true, we'd have a whole bunch of cowboys and millionaires in this congregation. <laughs> no! All of us started out towards something and ended up someplace else. That was certainly true with Paul. Paul thought he was going to Spain. He went to jail. <laughs> Most of the New Testament was written from jail. You talk about being disappointed with your trip. <laughs> Was that a frustration for God? No. It's probably the only way he could shut him up long enough and get him set down to write long enough to give us the New Testament. It was God's plan. You think God's frustrated with your frustration? No, watch this, watch. Don't miss this. God wants you to know this this morning. J. Wallace Hamilton used to say this. Failures are not fatal. And frustrations are not final. As a matter of fact, there's even better news than that. God will turn the very hurt in your life into someone else's healing as he turns it into your healing. He will turn the very frustration and failure into your life into somebody else's victory as, it, as he turns it into your victory. That's his plan. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says that we will minister to others as we have been ministered to. In our affliction. Hear that word? In our affliction. Who makes the best ministers in the world? Those that have been afflicted. 
like those they're ministering to. Who understands better than that? Yeah. You know what? God is not surprised with our failure. He observes our failure. He understands our failure. And then he turns us into the greatest thing that ever lived. Now, I don't want you to go out here in order to fail. Because listen, even though God will use your failure just as effectively as he will your strength, your failure is rough on you, in case you haven't noticed. Sin is a poor strategy. You know, some, somebody wrote, Paul wrote in the New, New Testament, shall we then sin all the more so we can be forgiven all the more? May it never be. In other words, that's a dumb way to live. Sin is hard on you. No, strength is much easier. Morality is much easier. Success is much easier on you and much more enjoyable. But it is not much more effective in the economy of God. He can use your failure as much as he can use your strength. One time, there was a drunk who found Christ, quit drinking, started taking care of his wife, started taking care of his kids, started taking care of his home. And his workmates were so surprised at his behavior. They said, you believe all that stuff? He said, yeah, I really do. He said, they said, you really believe that Jesus turned water into wine? You know, they're trying to get him for his alcoholism. He said, yeah, I really do. And I'll tell you why. Because in my house, he turned wine into furniture. You understand? You've seen people like that, haven't you? Where... God uses their very weakness as a testimony to his strength. We get so short-sighted with God, we say, Oh, God, don't you understand how much better I could be if I didn't have this weakness? Take away this weakness. Paul said that to God. God said, you know, Paul said, you know what? I, I know you just gave me this so I wouldn't go around bragging. I, I know that because I've, I've been given a lot of insight here. I know that. But I won't brag. I promise you. Just get the thorn out of my flesh. Because in essence, I could be much more effective to you, for you if I didn't have this thorn in my flesh. You don't understand. And God said, no, you don't understand, Paul. You don't understand. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Perfect. And then... He said this, Paul said this, therefore, this is in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecution, and with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The cross did more for you than pay for your sins. The cross did more for you than get you into heaven. The cross reversed your history and made your weaknesses your point of strength. Yesterday, they had, they had a, uh, an arts thing here that, you know, one of the things we're, we are bent on doing is, is reusing the arts for the glory of God. And the women had, a, and several of the women of the church had a display and told about how God was, was using, uh, had given them their art and now was using it to his glory. One of the women that got up uh, and talked was Esther Horvath, and she told a story about how she had just kind of discovered this gift that she had in art. She said when she went to kindergarten, she's just a little kindergarten girl, the teacher came in and gave them all a little piece of clay, you know, a little lump of clay. Okay, now class, I'm going to teach you how to make a pot. 
And of course, you, you know, remember that. So you stick your finger in the middle of this lump, you know, and, and you squeeze up the sides, and there you got a pot, you know. And, and, and the teacher says, oh, I'll teach you another one. This is a little bit more complicated, but roll it all out like a snake. And so you roll it all out, you know. He says, now, wind it around on top of each other. Okay, now you got another kind of pot. And then she said, teacher said, well, go ahead and just do anything you want to do with a, you know, I'll give you 15 minutes and, and you can make whatever you want. Well, the kids were all rolling up, do this, do this, snaking it. And then she said, I just made a, an entire house with a little man sitting in front of it. <laughs> Kindergarten. Teacher comes around, says, what would you do? Right, this is just what I did. Where'd you see that? Oh, I didn't see it. I just did it, you know. So the teacher says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all these art things on display on this shelf. And then in two weeks, I'll give them all back to you. Well, the kids are all getting their things back in two weeks. And the teacher comes to her and says, I'd like to keep yours up there a little bit longer if it'd be all right. So she said, okay, you know. Waited for the entire year to pass. Finally went back to the teacher and said, could I, could I take mine home now? And the teacher looked at her and said, if you don't mind, I'd like to have it. Well, what do you say to a teacher? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's exactly what you say. You say yes. She said, now, for most people, that would have hurt because that was my, that was my thing, you know, and, and my first deal here, you know. And, and you would have said, oh, how cruel that teacher was to take away that which I had made, that's which I had loved. But she said, you know what, what God taught me? God taught me, you know what, you've got something very valuable inside you. And even though that first deal is gone, you've got a lot more where that came from. Let me tell you something very, very, very important for you this morning. I know you've had things taken away from you and you're suffering a great loss. But this is what God wants you to understand. It's just a sign of how much more valuable is left in you. I know you're hurting and you miss that thing. But I want you to know that's your gift. It was, if it was valuable enough to be taken away, it's valuable enough to be given again and again and again and again. I know some of you have failed and you feel guilty and ashamed. But I want to tell you this. It's in that failure that God can show you how to succeed. Failure is not fatal. And frustrations are not final. Hamilton also tells a story about a little, little boy, a little brother and sister, you know. And they lived beside this very steep mountain. And one day, his little brother comes in to his little sister. She's, he says, I found a path up the mountain. And she goes, you know, she didn't care. She come here, see it. So they're going out. She's got her little breath going like this. He's racing out. Comes to the side of the mountain. He said, look at it. She looked up this thing. There was a bunch of stumps sticking out and a bunch of rocks sticking out. She said, that's no path. That's just a bunch of stumps and rocks and bumps. He looks at her and he says, 
The bumps are what you climb on. Do you hear that? I know your life looks to some of you like a bunch of bumps and rocks and stumps. And I know they seem to you to be ugly. Let me tell you something. God never promised you smooth. He never did. He never promised you happy. What he promised you was high. The bumps are what you climb on. And the cross is the reversal of history. You think you're down? You're not going to stay down. Because God can turn your down into up. He can turn your dead into alive. And that's why he died. Oh, this isn't just for individuals. Nations discover this. Read the rise and fall of great powers. Read any history book and you will see that those nations were the, were, that were the most devastated after World War II. Japan and Germany are now the strongest. Why? Because they had everything wiped away and they had to rebuild all over again. And it turned out to be their good because they faced, they faced their destruction and completely rebuilt. I want to ask you, can you do that? Can you face your destruction and say, thank you, God. I needed that. <laughs> now I know you're going to completely rebuild me. Oh, the cross is good news. Because God reverses the verdict of history. The verdict of history would be, you know, if you've won some and you've lost some, you come out with a pretty average life. Hopefully, you make a lot of what's coming and a very little of what's going. The verdict of God is, if you've won some and you've lost some, all of it, all of it adds up to perfection and success. Pray with me. God, as we discover in the coming weeks how this is true. We want you to teach us again and again and again and again what your death and resurrection meant in our lives and what it still means in our lives. Teach us. We cannot foil your plan for us. And we have not foiled it. Teach those in here this morning that if they want both the power and the wonderful redemption of the cross that they can have that if they don't even already have that in their lives and teach the Christians who just thought it was their ticket to heaven it's a ticket to a lot more God thank you that we are united with Christ we died with him and when we say he's alive that means we're alive amen For all the earth that trembled, the sun had hid its face. And all the men that had walked with him had turned and run away. They crucified our Savior and laid him in a tomb. 
The life that once brought love and hope Slipped away that afternoon Satan gleamed with pleasure That day at Calvary For he thought he had won A mighty victory And like him all the demons Of hell began to Little did they know that their hand was drawing near. Cause early Sunday morning, just like Jesus said, he broke the curse of sin and death and he rose up from the dead.
people, we want you to remember that as you leave this morning. But before you go, let me remind you of one thing, that we have a prayer team. Those folks will be down here at the front of the sanctuary. And if you'd like to come and pray with someone about something God has laid on your heart or something you've been carrying around all week and would just like someone to agree with you before the Father and pray with you, they would love to do that. Let me also tell you that if you've come in here and heard this message about the cross and you realize for the first time how central that is to our knowing God, and you'd like to receive this gift of grace that God has offered to you freely, if you'd come down and pray with one of these people, they'll give you some encouragement, they'll pray with you as you receive this gift of grace, and they'll give you some uh, help on the next steps you need to take in your journey of faith with Jesus Christ. Hear now these words of benediction from Paul from Romans chapter 8. He says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Go in his peace. He is alive.